You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, folks. We are back and it is Mike and Mike and we are going to be talking all about the Amazon TV series, The Boys. You know, I've heard rumors that, you know, a lot of people are going, you know, this show is one of the best superhero adaptations we've ever seen from the comic books. Other people are saying, I never heard of it. So it's going to be interesting to see where we come in with this. It's a lot of fun, and it's going to be interesting to talk about. And we got a great crew to line up about it. Of course, let's say hey to my co-host, Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy! You are one of the boys, of course. Yeah, the boys are going to be talking about the boys. It's and, a good thing to do. And yes, and we will just uh, throw it out there front and center. We will be spoiling season one. So oh, yeah. If have not watched the boys uh just be warned because we're going to be talking all about the beginning middle and the end of the season oh yeah very much so and there's some shockers in this one so if you haven't had a chance to see it it's available it's only eight episodes go ahead and watch it we'll sit here and wait we don't have anything Spo- else spoiler alert we liked it we did like it we <laughs> of course we liked it duh we wouldn't be devoting a show to something that we didn't like Exactly. So it should be a lot of interesting stuff, and we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. Please write us, of course, at EarthStation1 at ESONetwork.com. If you want also, you know, you could leave feedback, you know, via email, or you could leave, talk to us up on our Facebook group or Twitter or even, you know, Instagram. We have plenty of ways to find EarthStation1. We are everywhere. Social media is available. And, of course, we also have our Patreon where you can actually hear this show 48 hours before the rest of the world. So it's a little bit of a bonus and a way of saying thank you to our patrons. It's a pretty cool deal. With that being said, you know, let's get started with this week's Rants and Raves, where we have a lot to talk about. All right, Mikey, what do you got this week? Well, I uh, thought that we might uh, be keen to talk about, because I don't think we've actually talked about it either on the air, uh, really, or off. And uh, talking about the British invasion, and I'm not talking about the music British invasion. Oh, I'm talking damn. about the British invasion uh, that happened in the uh, late '80s in comics, uh, where we had um, Alan Moore, Neil Gaiman, Garth Ennis, Warren Ellis, and a bunch of other folks that seemed to come from across the pond and made huge splashes uh, in comic. Basically, it's set like reset a lot of things as far as comics goes. I mean, certainly the Americans were doing fine, and you know we had our Todd McFarlands and our Frank Millers, but you know you were in a unique position because around that time is when you owned your store, right? Yeah, of course. I I owned my store from I think it was like 1990 till about 94. Okay, so that was right on the kind of in that time period, right? I mean, obviously, uh, Watchmen had come out before that, and Alan Moore had established himself as the guy. And I think because Alan Moore, because of Alan Moore, that opened the door for a lot of British writers and creators to come through and uh, be taken seriously by American publishers, right? Uh, 
Well, Alan Moore was probably at least, I would want to say five, six years before that, actually. Sure, sure. And, you know, because you had Neil Gaiman, uh, who became to Providence with Sandman. And because Sandman's run had already finished by the time I had my store. Wow, really? And I thought it gone long. I thought it got into that. Really, probably ninety-one. It might have ended, and then we also had, of course, because really? I think I moved to Atlanta in ninety-three, and I think that Sandman was still going on then. I'm not. Well, we got the internet. We could check it out. <laughs> That's all right. So, but you know, because I know I sold my run of Sandman, uh, which was the full run, right. as part of my payment to move to Seattle. 75 issues? Is that how long it? Yeah, just about. Yeah. And I know they're coming back with a new whole new series. And but yeah, you but you had Neil, you had Alan, you had, you know, and then you had the they were the start, but then you had, you know, with Watchmen and you had, you know, everything like you said Swamp Thing and you had, you know, Dave Gibbons doing artwork, you know, and it was just amazing the influence and the influx of English writers and that had opened and was mostly DC. That was well. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think it was mostly DC and, and particularly vertigo, I think that were really uh, housing that. And I guess mm-hmm. we have, uh, uh, Shelley and, and Karen to thank for that. Right. A uh, lot of it. Yes. Um, because I mean, that's when, I mean, we're talking, we're going to be talking about later about the boys and, um, you know, Garth, I think is, is a product of that. Uh, oh, yeah. Grant Morrison is another one that came out around that, that was starting to get more work in American comics that way. And they, they, the thing about it is, is that they weren't just telling us uh, like quote unquote, normal everyday average superhero stories. Uh, they didn't talk about what they were doing. They were, if they were doing superheroes, they were kind of flipping the script a little bit. There was always something unique about their take on it, or they were giving us something besides superheroes. Well, definitely. Because if you remember, um, you know, you had the introduction, like characters like John Constantine, who is like the most non superhero you can get. It was Sting, right? Exactly. Well, at first he was the way he was drawn <laughs> and you know, sting 30 years ago would have been a perfect for the movies as Constantine. Cause you know, it was literally right out of the books and it was interesting to see, you know, what these writers brought because they brought the type of stories that you didn't have here in the United States, either, you know, more horror based, more goth. And it was just really awesome to see and it even when they did typical superhero stories they were not your typical no yeah you know the last superman story you know that they did you know which was amazing and or you had you know stories that are now classics you know were created by english writers which is pretty cool yeah, there was a lot of. Uh, I'm not saying that you know we Americans were not doing anything in that. Time oh no, no, no. There was there was a lot of American. There was a lot of creativity on this side of the pond because we had, like I said, Frank Miller was it was you know was huge then. Um, Mike Mignola was coming into prominence, um, et cetera, et cetera. But as far as 
as far as the Brits goes, I just find it interesting that, you know, they, they came through, they seemed to come like it was like literally an invasion. And I'm just mentioning the big names. There were several others that came through as well. And they just seemed to offer something different. Like when you read one of their stories, they were, they were a lot of times more mature. Uh, they would push the envelope. They would, they would discuss, or they weren't afraid of topics that were, were maybe above the reader's heads. You know, like they weren't, they didn't treat their readers like idiots. No, they didn't dumb down to them. Right. I mean, you know, I can remember reading uh, Grant Morrison's uh, The Invisibles and just like not knowing what the F I was reading at the time. And it, it really took, I had to read an issue like multiple times in order to just like, sort of reconcile myself with it and go, what did I just read? Well, it was the same way with Sandman. When we first got the first couple issues, it was like nothing we had ever seen before. No, but I think Neil is a little bit more of a, I don't want to say traditional, but yeah, in some ways a traditional storyteller. Like he doesn't, he's really good at his craft, but he's not going to like, like mind-blowingly blow your mind because he like to him, I think it's stories most important. Yes. Whereas I get the feeling like with someone like Grant Morrison, concept is the most important thing. Well, Grant is like a total concept writer, and half the time when I read his stuff, I know I'm going to be in for a ride that I'm never going to forget. Or I'll look back and it's like, what the hell did I just read? Yeah, like what drug did I just take? Like when I was reading The Invisibles, it really felt like I was taking a drug. Yeah. And, you know, not that if I should have taken a drug while reading it, I don't think it would have made sense to me because it really felt like I had just taken a drug. I could see that. I totally could see that. And that's part of the fun of it is seeing what came, what came out of it. And it also sharpened a lot of the American writers to try to keep up with it, too. Well, yeah, I think that that did uh, that opened up the door for a lot of American writers to tell more adult stories as well. Um, there just seemed to be uh, a wave of that. And like, I, you know, I think we all have our favorites and everything like that. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I really adored um, Alan Moore and, and the time period that we're talking about is when he was doing league of extraordinary gentlemen, which I think is one of my favorite all time books. Uh, it just was an amazing, I mean, that was a take on superheroes and it's slightly different. Uh, but, uh, but, very unique oh sure because he also had his watchmen also but they were very yeah but he had done that uh like a little earlier and uh and and i think um yeah one of these days i'd love to talk about and we've already talked about watchmen in detail in a book club but the league of extraordinary gentlemen would be really cool too and that looks like that's wrapping up its final volume quote unquote final uh volume is coming out uh i think before the end of the year I think. I think so. So, and uh, to be honest, I got some catching up to do because I haven't really been keeping up with it in the last couple of years. It's a neat concept because they, you know, take literary characters and team them up. And it's just, it was a ton of fun. And don't go, folks, don't go by the movie at all. <laughs> you know, the book, the comic is just so much better. 
I think also um, one of the things that, uh, and you know, our British listeners are going to probably go like, um, I don't know what they're going to think when we're talking about this because um, a lot of these names and, and are going to be, you know, very familiar to them. And I have to think, and, and certainly if uh, anybody's out there that can, you know, sort of school me on this or correct me on this, but I have to think because of, of publications in Britain, like, uh, was it 2000 AD? Yeah. Cause that was judge dread came out of that. Right. But that was the mature type storytelling literary based, which, you know, British writers are sort of known for, um, that issued a flood of, of folks coming in, um, ready to tell a lot of very interesting stories that were inspired by, because they grew up reading American comics. Oh, of course course of course and you know i discovered judge dread you know fairly early that was probably like 83 84 Who's i think that? Was, is that uh i want to say why is the name john wagner stand out i think it was wagner and brian bolin okay yeah i yeah, gotcha what we're doing and those were just amazing things and then to see brian bolin come to the u.s and do camelot 3000 and Killing Joke. Oh, God, yeah. Killing Joke is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've never actually read an issue of uh, 2000 AD. Okay. And I've never read a solo issue of Judge Dreddy. Really? Yeah. That's one thing that one of these days I wouldn't mind, uh, you know, trying that. I think the only thing I've read with Judge Dredd and it was like a crossover with... I don't know. Was there a Judge Dredd alien or predator or something like that? Or, yes, there know. was. Then there so was. I think, a, I, I think I might have done that. You never read the Judge Dredd Batman crossovers? Yeah, I did read that. Yes, but okay. it's, it's been so long. I don't remember it being anything that I remembered. Oh, those were amazing. Kelly Jones' art was just like wow. Yeah, Kelly Jones is something that yeah, he's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting. And that's a character that uh, I know, I mean, I know a little bit about because of, you know, just the, the culture um, and, and the fact that I'm, you know, around comics. So I know about him. Um, I know that there's a pretty decent movie starring Carl Urban. Uh, speaking of the guy who we're going to talk about later, mm-hmm. um, that's out there that I need to see because uh, I've heard good things about that as well. Oh, it's an amazing film. And he basically fights Cersei Lannister. It's awesome. <laughs> well, that's not that's not too bad. No. I definitely think uh you you would enjoy that. And don't bother watching the Sylvester Stallone one, but <laughs> I am the Lord. I, I have seen that actually. I think I saw that in the theater back in the day. Oh yeah. No. It was and that might have turned me off of it for a little while. Yeah, I could see that. I truly could see that. But yeah, it was, there's some great, great storylines, uh, Judge Dreadwise, you know, with the Wasteland stories. Uh, then there was also, of course, the Judge Death stories, which were just spectacular. And Judge Anderson, Judge Child, there was, there's just some really good stuff. I tried getting William into it a couple of years ago. Hmm. I guess it's one of those things where I'm like, I don't know if I could just pick up a volume or, or if I need to start at the beginning or anything like that. You know, I mean, you're no. talking a Judge, book 
been around for like decades, right? Yeah, uh, basically, Judge Dredd, you could pick up anywhere and just pick up from whatever because he's the same character all the way through. There's not, there's no character growth, <laughs> and and you never see him without his helmet ever. So, so the only time I think he did is when he was in disguise or something like that. But you never see what his real face looks like or anything. You don't need to because he is the law. So, yeah, there's just some great, great British stuff out there. Uh, there was this comic book uh, that I used to read called Death's Head. And it, okay. actually, it actually crossed that, over into that, Doctor Who. Okay. That was Marvel, right? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. But Marvel, Marvel UK. Over there, right? Yes. Doctor Who, the, the Doctor Who stories that we got here in America were reprints of what was published over in Britain, right? Correct. Gotcha. The stuff with Tom and Tom all the way through Sylvester actually. Mm. And there are some amazing stories, Doctor Who wise that were done for, you know, the British, you know, comics and stuff over there. And a lot of them, there were black and white when they first came out, they colorized them later on. Gotcha. And everything, and you had Dave Gibbons' art. You had a, a lot of different artists doing Doctor Who, and some of the stories tie right into the comics. But and that's where you got Forbisher the Penguin from. Was the Doctor Who comics over there? I have to say, um, through all that period, you know, I was I was eating a lot of that stuff up. Um, I didn't go full tilt on Garth Ennis's stuff. I will say so. Um, um, I mean, we're going to talk about the boys later, but, uh, I, I didn't read that when it came out. I never read his, uh, preacher run. So, uh, so a lot of that stuff was, was, uh, outside of my wheelhouse, I think. Um, a lot but I, of- I find, I find it interesting that, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm think I'm, I'm, I'm thinking nowadays, about all the young talent that's making, you know, that's in DC and Marvel. And, you know, I'm kind of hard pressed to think of that many like British writers that are an artist that are around today. I mean, obviously the guys that were still, that were making them in the eighties and nineties are still around. But as far as like, you know, the new up and comers or the people that are really making like big dents in, in Marvel and DC, Scott Snyder, Jeff Lemire, um, Nick Spencer, uh, Jason Aaron, like those are the names that pop up to me. Uh, I'm kind of wondering if there's, you know, some, uh, some British talent out there. I wonder if, you know, whereas there's a whole generation that grew up reading 2000 AD and made some interesting stories. I wonder what's inspiring or what's out there for British uh, folks now to read and get inspired by. If it's just, is 2000 AD still published? Um, I don't know hmm. that. I don't know. It'd be great for her to find out, you know, it'd be great to see is like, you know, is the comp, the book still being done? I don't, for some reason, I don't think it is. Right. But, you know, I'd be surprised to be found out. So, so we'd have to see. I know that uh, Grant Morrison is now the editor, I believe, of Heavy Metal magazine. Mm-hmm. So he's uh, brought his own unique flavor to that magazine. So that's, that's out there. 
Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of curious to read some of that stuff. Um, cause I, 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 from the previews I've seen of it, it does feel like a lot of the stuff that was going on in the, um, late eighties, nineties era of, of, of comics. No, totally understand that. It would be interesting to see, you know, I love heavy metal growing up and having Grant Morrison take it over. I think is almost perfect because I remember when we were up in South Carolina, we were talking to a certain Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles creator who helped with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, he owned it for a long time. I think, I don't, did he, I don't know if he said he still owned it or not. I can't remember to be honest with you, but yeah, my memory is going, but, um, uh, it's getting old. It's okay. uh, That's true. But, um, a lot of great stories, a lot of great creators came out in that time period. And, I think uh, a lot of uh, us comic fans refer to that oftentimes as the the British invasion of of all these uh, great creators coming over and really making an impact on comics that uh, we're still feeling to this day. And uh, I, I don't know what happened. Uh, like I don't know like where the next you know big thing might come from if there will be another big thing because uh, you know comics is. Comics is a weird, messed up industry right now. So it could use it could use some an injection of life somewhere. Oh, definitely. And I'm doing what I can. I know you are, and you're getting <laughs> it out as quick as you can. So I totally I respect that with you, Mikey. You could be the next big thing. You could be the next uh, Garth Ennis or something like that. I should only hope so. You know, if I could, if I could get that Amazon show out of the deal, I would be happy. Happy. Oh, I'm sure. I am so so sure. So it should be very cool to see. You know, definitely from friends from the UK. Please, you know, let us know. You know what is big over there right now? Because I remember, you know, when I was friends over there, I used to read Captain Britain and stuff like that. Also. Mm-hmm. And I remember that we're reprinting them over here. So it's just, it's interesting to see. So please let us know. You can write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment. Hi, this is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. I'm excited because the lull between the summer movie season And the big fall movies is finally over. And we've got two really cool movies coming out in theaters this weekend, as well as quite a few more in the next several weeks. So it's exciting to have an excuse to go back to the theater again. The first movie I want to talk about is called Ad Astra. I was really mesmerized by the trailer for this one. And it's one of those trailers where as soon as I saw it, I thought, I have to go see this movie. It's about an astronaut played by Brad Pitt who goes in search of his missing father and the key to saving planet Earth from some kind of threat or disaster. Looks like it's a thought-provoking, suspenseful sci-fi movie, which I'm always down for more of those. And I'm hoping that it'll be bold and challenging with some great visuals. At least there should be based on what I saw in the trailer. So really looking forward to that one. And we also have a movie that I've been looking forward to for a long, long time, which is the Downton Abbey movie. Now, if you haven't watched the show yet, it's probably too late to start binging all of it before the movie this weekend. But if you haven't seen the show, it's well worth going back and catching up on. It's about a wealthy British family 
and their staff who live at an estate called Downton Abbey. And this series became quite the phenomenon when it was released several years ago. It seemed like one of those shows that everybody was watching and talking about. And there's so many great characters. And when the series ended, I was happy with how it ended. I thought that they did a good job wrapping up the story. But I'm so excited that they found more story to tell. There's going to be a royal visit in the movie, which will, of course, bring drama and probably a little bit of scandal because it just wouldn't be Downton Abbey without drama and scandal. I'm really looking forward to seeing all these characters again, and hopefully it'll be a great trip back to Downton for all the fans. On DVD this week, we have the what will probably be the final standalone X-Men film now that the characters have moved to the MCU which was X-Men Dark Phoenix, which came out in theaters this summer and is now arriving on DVD. This movie didn't get really great buzz when it came out, and it didn't make a lot at the box office and received a lot of bad press as being a flop. Now, to be fair, it is a messy movie, but I actually liked it more than I was expecting to, and I think it's still worth a watch, especially if you're a fan of the X-Men movies, and in particular, these X-Men reboot films with some of the younger versions of the characters and it is a shame that it didn't do better at the theaters I would have liked to see Fox's X-Men series go out in a little bit of a stronger note but we'll see what happens when they're folded into the MCU and that's it for this week if you're looking for more entertainment related content be sure to check out my blog boxofficebuzzab.wordpress.com the PWR spot show podcast is a weekly wrestling podcast on the ESONetwork.com. We only talk about the real stuff. You know, Hulk Hogan and Pile Drivers. You can find us on Podbean and iTunes every Monday. You can also follow us on Twitter at PWR Spot Show and go to PWRSpotShow.xyz. Hey everyone, welcome to Earth Station One, and we are back with the Geek Seek segment, and this week we got a new victim. Let's welcome Matthew Mayless to the show. Welcome, sir. Hello, hello. I just pulled into the station. It has been a great trip so far. <laughs> well, howdy, and, and uh, you know, I'm glad uh, the docking procedure went well, I, I assume? Yeah, uh, uh, the pressurization, uh, all the bulkheads held. I, I don't think there's going to be a leak this time. This time. All right. Well, we'll see what we can do to get that repaired for you while you wait. Um, yes. But one-stop shop here at Earth Station One. In the meantime, uh, for those people who may not be familiar with you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, my name is Matthew Malice, and I am the uh, basically producer and main host of a RPG podcast called Polyhedron, where we discuss uh, the culture and sort of methodologies of role-playing. Uh, it goes beyond like just D&D or Vampire or any one game and talks about everything. So we've been doing that for about three years now. Okay. So you've been podcasting for three years on, yes. on, on that. Okay. How long have you been sort of interested in RPGs? RPGs? Oh, since I was a teenager. Uh, yeah. I'm 37 now and I started when I was a 16-year-old. Gotcha. Gotcha. So that was, was the, is that something that you fell into right away? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Because, well, back in the day, day, um, unlike... Uh, some of the younger probably folks that have gotten into role-playing games um nerds and geeks didn't rule the world um D&D and role-playing <coughs> apologize wasn't in the mainstream culture and so and i didn't have a lot of friends and so go to your local gaming store you meet a couple people in the back room 
and they're rolling dice and they're looking at these sheets of paper and they're talking funny voices and trying to get something done. And I've kind of found my thing. Uh, well, I think it was shadow run second edition that I kind of like immediately glommed onto. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm not as familiar with the RPG side of things. Um, uh, certainly there was D and D around when I was younger, but, um, unfortunately I didn't have anybody to play with. So that, uh, that was something I just never got into. Yep. I, I understand. I mean, it's amazing. It's kind of like vinyl in the fact that it's like really like coming back or it's oh, yeah. in a big way. And I don't know if like, if we can, if we can credit stranger things for that a little bit, um, or if it's just, there's something that people are responding to just like vinyl that they're sort of anti-digital, you know? Oh, I could go into a little tirade if you want me to about that. <laughs> well, uh, you know, for the interest of time, you know, if you have a, if, if, if you could summarize it. Uh, summarize, it's actually a combination of things. It's, it's, it's superheroes and geek culture becoming accepted as in through movies was the main thing. And then uh, a lot of success was owed to Penny Arcade and Critical Role becoming sort of streaming became a main thing. People could see now, um, you didn't have a lot of people helping you role play when you were probably younger playing D&D. Like you said, you didn't have somebody to play with. Now people who are more isolated like that, but have the internet can go and look on and go, oh, that's a role playing game. That's what it's kind of supposed to be. I can do that. And it just builds from there. It's sort of a way of visually teaching you how to role play in a certain way. And that sort of gets more people interested. And that's what's kind of created this D&D and overall role-playing expansion um, right now. I just think it's really cool. I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of, yeah, with everything seemingly getting more and more digitized, mm-hmm. it seems like RPGs are, are kind of like have drawn the line in the sand and have said like, nope, this is something that uh, we can continue as is and that's getting even more and more of a following, which is great. Oh, yeah. I, it, part of it also is, and my working hypothesis is, it's unlike MMOs, which are really big, like WoW and EverQuest and all this stuff. Sure. Um, there's a lot of social interaction. But it's not face-to-face. It's not in person. Um, Role-playing games are an excuse, kind of like board games, to get your friends together and pal around and do some focus on something. That's what it, it's, a, it's a form of social networking that we as gamers and as friends can do uh, to sort of fulfill that need. Gotcha. Well, very cool. Well, in addition to RPGs, do you have a, a geek fandom specialty in uh, in anything else? Oh wow, um, that <laughs> takes up most of my life. So we got um, the time. I love, Go I for love it. movies. I love movies. I've always adored movies. All kinds of movies. Um, I'd, I'd go to like eleven o'clock shows at night in the theater all by myself. I'll watch damn near anything. Um, and uh, yeah, I think movies are a big thing. I'm looking forward to Joker that's coming out soon. Um, I'm interested awesome. to see where that where I fall on that movie, um, and uh, I, I, comic books in general. But it's been a long time since I've just collected comic books. But I do enjoy comic books in general, like the idea. I collect. Uh, I think I just started uh, the first volume of Wicked and the Divine. I just bought ah, that yes. at Dragon Con. I I, uh, I got the first volume of that as well. Um, I yeah, I read the first volume of that this year. As mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. That's pretty I, good stuff. It's very good. I, I'm probably just slowly collect the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you have to do it slowly because you have to take that in because that, that's one of those reads that's not a quick read. Mm-hmm. Not if you want to get everything. So. Not if you want to get all the details. No. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Well, very cool. Well, um, before we get to strap you down in the geek seat, because, you know, the rate of mortality on the geek seat is mm, 50-50. So, um, I'm okay uh, with those odds. <laughs> so where can people find your podcast and what you're doing online? Well, you can find my podcast at Polyhedron Cast on Twitter. Um, you can also go to Metahedron Studios slash Polyhedron. If you want the actual website and get the RSS feed, you can look up Polyhedron pretty much on any uh, podcatcher of your choice, like iTunes, Stitcher, all that fun stuff. We should be there. Um, and uh, yeah, and if you want to find me personally, I am at BioImportance on Twitter. Um, so if you want to shoot me up, talk about nerdy uh, RPG stuff, hit me up there. I'll... I'll Happy to talk to you, uh, talk back at you. Awesome. Awesome. We will have links to all those in our show notes for people. So, uh, so Mike, I think he's ready and primed. Are you sure? He seems too calm. Well, you know, well, you know, I, I only, I can only do so much to prepare them, dude. <laughs> Is anyone truly prepared? No. No, not really. You know, we still have people in the back room still crying from over being in the <laughs> So, you know, it's cool. It's funny because you see people at Dragon Con who've actually been in the geek seat. Oh, you still have the scars? You still have the scars? <laughs> and you have the scars. So it's pretty awesome, man. So, All right. Let's see how I do. Okay, Matthew. Your first question in the geek seat. What was your favorite geek out moment? Favorite geek out moment? Um. Oh, <laughs> Oh crap. Uh I would have to say that my favorite geek out moment was uh crap. Pressure. Uh, <laughs> um I could have the Jeopardy theme playing or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh I would say my favorite geek out moment because I've had a lot of them and it's hard to differentiate for me the difference between like Oh, there's your coast moment like day to day versus a geek out like meeting a celebrity or something like that, right? Right, of course. And this is not me snolling, I promise. No, no. <laughs> no, I think my favorite geek out moment would have to be, um, oh yeah, I have a good story. This is a good geek out moment. Um, I was at Dragon Con many years ago and uh, I, it was late night partying like you do when you're younger. Oh, of course. Um, and the, I was in an elevator in the Marriott and I was visiting some friends like I was coming down from a room party. Um, and I was like, all right. And we were, the, the doors were slowly closing. And then these two people came up and we're like, hold, hold the door. And we couldn't do it. And we're like, we're looking, they were like, we're looking for some liquor. We're looking for some beer. Who wants to party? And we're like, oh yeah. We, and then the doors closed. And it was literally two seconds after the doors closed. That I realized who that those two people were. Who was it? Was Jason Momoa. Oh, and no it was, way. uh, the girl from, uh, it was, I forgot her name. The, uh, chick who played tank girl. Oh, Wow. Yeah, this is the, the those two. Like that was like, oh no, I totally would love to party with you guys, but but I didn't know who they were. Like until the, it was too late. Wow, either that or they were some really amazing cosplayers. No, those le- legit were them. Oh really? I promise you that was them. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, it was. That was definitely a geek moment because I was like, no, just like Anakin Skywalker in the end of the prequels, just screaming. Because I, I mean, I was like, I was ready to do this, but nope. Well, that is funny. That was that's a geek out moment. So that might actually lead into your next question. Then, what was your most disappointing geek out moment? Um. Okay. So this is my most disappointing. It's a little bit of a personal one, that's but it's okay. not too bad. So back in the day, um, of college, I went to Kennesaw State in Georgia. Um, I was a big role player, but I was this was like my freshman year. Um. And as you are in your 20s, you're kind of full of yourself. 
and I was reading through the Exalted book. Uh, Exalted is a very, uh, it was a White Wolf property. Um, It's super high action fantasy uh, anime style game. Right. And I'm talking and I'm arguing with a friend of mine. And we're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And this guy comes up and starts listening, just listening, just listening, talking to me. And I start arguing, and then he he butts in, and I start arguing with him, and I'm not believing him. And then he goes off. I don't know who this guy is. Turns out later that was Michael Goodwin, um, one of the lead writers on Exalted. Um, he was one of the main guys, and continued to be one of the main guys in Exalted for many years after that. Um, and I basically just told him off and told him uh, uh, the, the term was author's intent. Like that wasn't the author's intent. And I'm literally shouting that at the author who's disagreeing with me. Oh, geez. Uh, oh, oh, man. It turns out he ends up being one of my best friends uh, and uh, my best man at my wedding. So, okay. So <laughs> you, you made up for it, dude. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that was my worst geek out moment of just like full inflated head just not understanding who this was and what and how full of myself I was. Oh, sure. No, it totally makes sense. What geeks you out the most? What geeks me out the most? Yeah. Oh yeah. You want to talk about like, yeah. Talking about anything role-playing related, just straight up. Like, and now I will go on a good movie rant. Like if you talk to me about a movie that Lemon's like, this was a good movie and it clearly wasn't right. I'm going to probably pop my top. Okay, so unless you got some good arguments, we'll have to see how it goes later on tonight. Then <laughs> that should be pretty awesome. What turns your geek off? Oh, um, yeah. That, this is be, as I gotten older. This is what done it is like anyone who's like, even though I do it occasionally, is somebody just like going, uh, "Well, you're stupid and dumb for liking that." I can disagree with why you don't like a thing, but I'll never say you're like straight up a bad person for for thinking that oh sure no totally it makes sense i don't like that it's everyone's here to have fun i literally sign off my podcast with go where your fun is so Mm -hmm. if your fun is in bad 80s action flicks okay man that's your thing cool i i I can maybe i can get on board but well that's one of the awesome things about geekdom there's no two geekdoms that are the same Mm -hmm. and no two geeks that are the same same thing with dragon con it's mm-hmm. like no no two people have the same experience. Oh yeah, which is and, really awesome. Well, I love Dragon Con because it's uh, it's for the by the fans for the fans. Mm-hmm. Exactly, that's what we always like hearing, and that's one of the great things about it. What fictional character would you like to meet the most? What uh, fictional character? Yeah. Oh no. Um, hmm. um. I think the. One that pops into my head. This is literally at the top of my head. I think Doctor Strange would be very interesting Ooh, to talk to. That's really interesting. That's cool. Yeah, because he's a he's a doctor, so he's he's got all this education about medical science and modern science. Plus, he's knee, neck deep in mysticism mm-hmm. in the occult. So he marries this these weird two dichotomies, and and I wanted to. I would love to talk to him about how do you square, circle that square, as it were. Sure. No, that totally makes sense. So are you a comic fan from Doctor Strange or mostly from the movies? Mostly from the movies. I didn't really know. I knew he existed. I knew Doctor Strange was a was a thing, but I never got into his comic books until the movie because uh, Benedict Cumberbatch did a great job as the character. And I got I kind of fell in love with the writing of uh, um, 
see Robert Cargill, who the guy who was one of the writers on Doctor Strange, and I listen to his all his podcasts, and he is as a fantastic nerd to listen to. Sure. He's got some great ideas. He's very creative, and I just love listening to him. So I kind of just fell into Doctor Strange because of him. No, totally makes sense. Let's look at the flip side of that, though. What fictional character would you not like to meet? Oh, Jesus. There's, like, too many to count. Um, uh, Fictional character would not like to meet. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. Since we're going to talk about this later, I would want to meet Homelander. Oh, no. no. <laughs> yeah, I could understand that one. You're Zero. Actually, you're actually the first person to ever bring that one up. That's pretty awesome. Ooh. So that's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. He's, oh, we'll talk about that. I don't want to get, yeah, we, we'll get into it. Oh, yeah. What is your favorite geek word, phrase, quote, or pose? Oh, man. Um, well, I'm always, a, I'm always a fan of the Superman pose. Of course. The hands on your hips, chest out motion oh yeah uh, but also so, love the um, cons all the time so it's, yeah. oh yeah but also like um because actually scientifically been proven if you if you do that position uh before you like go on stage or you're nervous to do something you will feel more confident about doing it like it is a ingrained cultural thing that if you get in that position for a few minutes you will feel more confident I do that every time I walk into a con. I am with my people. Uh, dude, that's that's why you go to con, man. You 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 surround yourself just with an ocean of humanity that's all pretty much like you. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the way I felt the first time I went into Dragon Con. It was like I found my people, you know. Type yeah, I, I've been going since nine. I think I remember it was like ninety seven, ninety eight. Oh wow! Okay, so this is cl- I'm getting close to my twenty five years of Dragon Con. Wow. Hey, Mikey, you have someone who almost as long as you'd have. I think you almost. What is your ideal geek occupation? Oh, I'm actually actively working on it. I want to be a full-time RPG writer. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah. That is really awesome. Yeah, I've got my own company. Uh, It's Metahedron Studios. I'm slowly working on my first flagship game that I'm going to publish. Um, because I have a full nine to five, normal five to jo- nine to five job. And so that eats up a lot of time and energy doing that. So I don't have a lot of time to, and I do podcasting and a lot of other stuff. So my life gets consumed. So I'm slowly trying to become that. Oh yeah. It's like podcasting. That just doesn't take five, 10 minutes of a day. No, <laughs> Especially if you're the editor. Oh God. Yes. What geek occupation would you not like to do? Oh, mm, geek occupation yes. that I would not want to do. Um, that's hard because all of them are kind of cool in their own weird way. Okay. Um, probably like an editor because a, I'm not very good at it, but like just, just the workload that that would take. Mm-hmm. That would be, I would probably be thinking, Oh, actually I know which one I'm sorry. A video editor Ooh. As, in, as challenging as that would be. That would also be nerve wracking. Oh God. Yeah. It's hard enough doing audio editing. Yeah. I, I've I, done video editing. I can do it. I know how to do it. Oh, it's yeah. just the amount of time, energy and nuance that goes into it to get a really good product. You've got to get a, do a lot of it and got to practice a lot to get it like to get your flow down. just right. Nope. Totally makes sense to me. All right. Are you ready for your final question, Matthew? Yes, sir. All right. This is for all the marbles. So remember this. What is your ultimate geek fantasy? <laughs> and remember, we are a PG fan. Family yeah, I know. Uh, no, my ultimate uh, geek fantasy would probably be ultimate nerd like geek fantasy would probably be a custom house. 
with all the cool me and my wife have talked about this because she's a nerd too like a house with like trick doors like hidden doors and trapways that lead to like libraries and other little nooks and crannies in the house that all like have all of our nerd stuff in it oh yeah i definitely would want a house that has the shakespeare statue that the head yeah. looks off and you turn yeah. the knob and the, or, the yeah, bookcase like opens. you pull a book off you pull a book off and it and it lifts and it moves to the side and there's your like your entire geek geek dungeon just mm-hmm. there oh it's yeah got your got everything in there that you would ever want and then some the full like caesar table all of it when we when we all make it big as podcasters we'll build yeah. this place exactly <laughs> well matthew got some great news for you my friend what? you have made it through the geek seat congratulations Ooh. yeah i started off a little rough uh, i didn't know what i was doing but I know. you know what i got him in the end you did mr mike gordon tell the young man what he's won you have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO network, a value easily worth nine dollars and eighty six cents. I oh oh man. can we make it ten dollars? Can we get a nice even ten bucks? We've can dropped we? sadly. Sigh. Damn it. Hey, it is the market will bear what it bears. <laughs> so, um, so well, very cool. Well, it's been great having you, and of course, um, you know we're uh, finding out a little bit more about you now, and then of course for the main topic. We'll get all into uh, the boys. But once again, where can people find you online and uh, check you out? All right. If you want to find out more about my podcast, go to Polyhedron ca- at Polyhedron Cast on Twitter um, or Metahedron Studios slash Polyhedron. Look us up at Polyhedron on any of your pe- uh, podcatchers of choice. Um, if you want to look up me, I'm at Bioimportance, uh, at Bioimportance on Twitter. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much. No, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Awesome. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a minute with the boys. Hi, everybody. Michelle here with the Iconic Rock Talk Show Moment. And unfortunately, we are again saying goodbye to someone just about three weeks after his announcement that he had stage four esophageal cancer. Eddie Money passed away last Friday at the age of 70. The cause was listed actually as uh, complications from the heart valve surgery, uh, heart valve replacement surgery that he had earlier this year. Um, The cancer diagnosis came about a year ago and the surgery was in the interim. Uh, some years ago, he kicked a fentanyl addiction, so he he had a lot of health problems, but he was a tough guy and known um, for his big heart and a huge sense of humor. All the tributes coming in around the internet from people that worked with him all talked about how people loved him because he, had, he was so funny. Um, what a lot of people didn't know, um, wasn't talked about a lot, was his uh, activism on behalf of musicians and songwriters. Uh, He worked with Congress on laws to protect uh, copyright and performance rights uh, for musicians. Uh, He had so many hits, um, Two Tickets to Paradise, Baby Hold On, uh, Shaken, Think I'm in Love. If you go to YouTube and look up the video for Think I'm in Love, um, he usually did performance videos. He didn't do a lot of acting ones, and there's a reason for that. Um, this one shot in black and white and it's got him cast as a vampire in a haunted castle complete with this big cape at the top of a stair. It's too funny. It's too funny. You'll just lull. And I don't think he'd be offended that if you lulled, he probably would too. Um, and of course he had the song, um, take me home tonight with uh, Ronnie Spector, 
was a great big comeback hit for the both of them. And she had a really sweet thing to say about him on her Instagram account. Um, she said, uh, working in the studio with Eddie was way different from any other sessions I've been involved in. He had a crazy, great sense of humor. and was a real character with the kind of positive vibe that we don't see today, but we sure could use more of. And that is so true. So go out there today. Take your positive vibe with you everywhere and hum a little Eddie Money song while you do it. Because I know you'll have the earworm in your head. Uh, this has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show moment. Um, the next blog entry on iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com, we're going to predict uh, this year's ballot for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's that time again. Uh, so until then, we will catch you next time. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different. With the ESO Network Patreon, the cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO network. People love superheroes. They swoop out of the sky and save the day. People love that cozy feeling. That superheroes give them. I can't stop. I can't stop. I can't stop. Robin! My deepest condolences to Robin's family. She just stepped in the middle of the street. She was a half step off the f***ing curb. Now, come on, Huey, just uh, don't get upset. Soups lose hundreds of people each year to collateral damage. It's fucking diabolical. They're all like that? All of them. Yeah, pardon my French I've got the boys together. Jonas. To do what? Spank the bastards. Robin. I'm in. Lacing the shoes, I'm on the move. I got so much to prove. It's suicide to go after the soups. We can use help stuffing them. Excuse me. I'm sorry, are, are you okay? I'm fine. I'm just having a bad day. It's a work thing. I'm supposed to be this hero idol symbol, but I don't know what the hell I'm doing. She can help us. She's a soup, just on the rest of them. You're wrong about her. Just remember who your friends and who your enemies are. They just declared war. You can't do this. You don't have the fight. You never have. This kid is full of surprises. Well, well, well. It's not, not what it looks like. I right. thought we had an understanding. I know you're trying to be tough, but we're superheroes. Who are you?
Welcome back to the main topic. This time we are going to look at Garth Ennis's The Boys, which just premiered last month on Amazon.com or Amazon Prime, as some people like to call it. Take it away, Mikey. Yes, Amazon Prime brought us The Boys. I don't think anybody expected that this comic series from, wow, 2006. Man, that's like 13 years ago. Uh, Let me get my walker out or something. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, would be brought to us uh, in, in, in living color, really, um, by uh, Amazon Prime. So, yes, we want to talk all about it. We've got... Of course, Matthew is still here. He's still trapped, strapped to the chair. Belts and everything. And uh, we've also got uh, John Strandway is here. John, it's been so long since you've been on the station, man. It has at least years now. What? And, and, and as it hasn't been years, has it? Yeah, it has, actually. <laughs> wow. See, that's another thing. It just it doesn't never feel right. They never call. So, but then again, that's because I just saw him. A few times in passing at Dragon Con, have you? Are you recovered? Uh, mostly, mostly, mostly. But yeah, no, I, I yeah, I kept seeing you uh, up in the uh, artist alley where the track I worked for. So, mm-hmm. yep. Good year. It, it was. I had a really good year, actually. Um, yeah. Got to meet a lot of people. Got to meet Carl Urban. So, speaking, yeah, of uh, two of the stars of uh, the boys were there, and I think. They're, they must be filming it, the uh, second season yep. now, because Carl um, sort of looked in character. I mean, I noticed in the photos that he was taking with people, he was wearing the Hawaiian shirt, but also like his, I mean, that's a real beard he's sporting and his hair is out and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, he, he really looked yeah, like They the- actually took time off uh, from season two production for have them to go to, I think, uh, Gen Con and for them to have time to come down and do... Uh, Dragon Con, so yeah, they wow. they stopped production for a few days to for allow those actors to leave and go do stuff to promote the show. Since since we're talking about how old we are, I will say that I first met uh, Carl Urban way back at a Dragon Con, which I don't even remember the year, but he was here for Xena. Wow, back in the nineties. <laughs> Yep. And I, I, I had his autograph. He was with Alexander Tidings, who played Aphrodite on that show. And, of course, Carl played a dual role. He played um, uh, Cupid as well as uh, Caesar. Oh, I totally forgot he played yep. Cupid. Holy crap. It's yeah. just coming back to me now. So, that uh, there. And, and who would have known, right? Uh, I had no idea. But um, cool guy. And he seems just as uh, cool now as, oh, yeah. as he was uh, back then. Um, but... Uh, I wanted to know, let's start with what our um, thoughts were going in. What did you know? What did you expect? And overall, what did you think of it when when season one was over? And Matthew, we'll start with you. Did you read the comic or what what were your thoughts going into this? So um, I knew it was a comic, but I never read the comic. Um, It was a couple of years ago that... Uh, A buddy of mine who owns a comic book store was like, the boys is a thing. People are picking up the boys more and more. It's becoming, it's sort of having a resurgence. Um, And then I'm like, okay, the boys, fine, whatever. I heard it was very, like, very edgy, very, very graphic. But I wasn't super into that. I was just trying to, I was doing other things. And then they're like, yeah, the Amazon's making the show. I was like, okay. And I then, the like, that weekend that the boys came out, I was like, okay, I'll sit down and watch it. The weekend goes by and I'm done with the show. Um, It's so good. It's so well put together because 
The dialogue is smart. The story is interesting. And it's really the actors that sell every single one. Like it, it's the story is good, but in, in the world building is fun, but man, those, the Huey is interesting. Homelander is psychotic. Um, all the characters shine. All of them are good guys and bad guys. Like they all have their flaws. Some flaws are bigger than others. Um, but man, man, oh man, this is just stellar performances. And that's what really carries it through. It was eight episodes. Is that correct? Yeah. Right, correct. It was eight episodes. Um, and that's what I just got one hour episodes, right? Cause it's, it's 80 yeah. hours. Right. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. And I, and I, and I'm like you, I, I took care of it in uh, yeah. two days. Yeah. So, uh, John, what about you? What was your history with the boys going in? Um, probably I want to say back in 2008 is when I started reading the comics because I, I think the first two trades had been out and I got hooked because I had read Preacher when Garth Ennis did that and I was stoked and I started reading this and it, it is so messed up, so dark and you, you just get hooked into it. As disturbing as it is, you just have to like plow through it because you know, it takes the parallels of both DC and Marvel superheroes and just makes mockeries of them. And that's what I liked about the, the flip on it. It was, you know, it's like, where do superheroes have to be morally abiding? And they're not in this story. Not all. by any means. No. No. And so, you know, it's about a 70 issue uh, story arc with a couple uh, side um, stories uh, Herogasm is a hilarious, like four issue read where all the superheroes and supervillains leave earth to go fight an intergalactic, um, uh, you know, threat villain. And they actually are just going on an Island to go vacation <laughs> <laughs> where they are just doing drugs and, and all sorts of debauchery. It's, it's, yeah. So uh, I, I heard about it actually uh, about a year before it came out. My buddy was actually on a phone call uh, working on it, and he started saying names like Homelander and Lamplighter and the Deep. And I looked at him, and I'm I'm just like I, I like my mouth. I'm like, are you are you talking about the boys? And he looked at me, and he's still on the phone, and he's just like, how what? And so he hangs up. He's like, how did you know what I'm working on? I'm like, I read the comic. I was like, I know these character names. <laughs> so I got super excited. And I was like, you know, I know Seth Rogen was really like into pushing Garth Ennis after he got Preacher on AMC. And I was just like, I don't know who's AMC can't do the boys. There's no way it can be on AMC. I don't care how dark Breaking Bad was and Walking Dead. I'm like, the boys just pushed it way past that limit. So when I saw that it was on Amazon, I was like, okay, they can get away with Lane Moore. But um, yeah, uh, the show is. It's mostly following the comic. Um, there is some slight twist, but that's fine because I don't want to just watch everything I've read. I want to see something new. But every everybody they cast did a great job. Um, and a little uh, Easter egg uh, for those who haven't read the comics, the character Huey in the comics is named Wee Huey. He's actually Scottish. And Garth Ennis based him on Simon Pegg. If you look at the comic character, he's meant to look like Simon Pegg. <laughs> And Simon Pegg actually wrote the um, introduction to the beginning of the comic. And so when they cast Simon Pegg as the father of Huey, I thought that was a nice little nod and tribute, you know, back to the comic. So, I yeah, I, enjoy, I blew through the eight episodes. Yeah. And when I met Carl Urban, 
he, you know, he asked, I told him, I read the comics. He's like, are we doing, you know, a good job? We want to make sure the fans are, I said, no, you guys are doing an amazing job. Keep it up. I'm looking forward to the second season. So. Awesome. Awesome. Mike, what about you? Uh, For me, I had heard about the boys, but for some reason I just didn't pick it up. And I had heard that about a year ago that they had decided to, Amazon was going to be creating the series of it with Carl Urban. And I was like, okay, I'm going to check it out. And I started reading up what the boys was about and everything. And I had picked up at Dragon Con this year, the, uh, the trade and the, well, the omnibus of the first few issues and started reading it at the con. And I was just like, Oh crap, this is good. And everything. Cause I had Judy actually watched the series before I did. She and her sister watched it while Judy was at the hospital. And she said, you got to watch this. You got to watch the boys. She said, I'll watch it a second time so I can watch it with you. And that's what we did. And I did some research on it and it was just reading what, you know, Garth originally had planned. He originally planned that he wanted to do this in the DC universe. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, he was, um, my understanding is, and for those people who don't know, and obviously you can look this stuff up online and all that, but um, don't claim to be experts. But I do recall nope. that in that uh, DC put out the first few issues uh, under the Wildstorm banner at the time. And uh, even with that banner on it, they were really uncomfortable with what Garth was doing. What Garth And Derek Robinson, we should mention, too, was the artist on all that. Um, what they were doing. So they finally said, you know, we just, we just can't have you do this. And, uh, um, cause he had kind of pushed it a little bit, obviously with his, uh, run on preacher and then with Hitman, which was in the DCU. Um, so this was a kind of an extension of that. Um, but without, you know, at, at when it, once he got the dynamite, he could just, I mean, the, 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 the cage was blown open. He could do whatever he wanted. And of course he did. So Literally. Um, I've, uh, I can't say that I've always been a huge Garth Ennis fan, um, but I do like a lot of his work. I, I really love his World War II stuff. If you ever see anything that like, he writes tons of war stories. Uh, he's really great at that. Um, and, and for me personally, I, I mean, I've seen a lot of this, of the whole, like, you know, uh, alternate or mature or whatever you want to call it, spin on heroes. Um, you know, it's like, I think the earliest incarnation was obviously, and the most famous probably is Watchmen. Uh, but, uh, you know, down the, down the line, we've had like Squadron Supreme. We've had um, uh, Mark Miller with Wanted Universe. Um, mm-hmm. we've had, um, Warren Ellis has done stuff with, um, planetary, you know, that kind of thing. Um, uh, the mystery men movie was kind of similar, you know, like that, 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 that kind of tone. You can even argue that the, the tick has a little bit of that going on. Um, and recently, Definitely and of course, wrong. um, redeemable, irredeemable by Mark Wade for, uh, for, um, uh, boom, when boom comics first started. So I've read a lot of these, like what would happen if the justice league was a bunch of a-holes, you know, that kind of thing. And, and so 
you know, I knew that the boys was there and I knew that, you know, Garth was going to push it to, to, to the limit. And I don't know if I was necessarily like on board with uh, watching or reading that at the time. Uh, but, you know, so many people were talking about the series and I was interested and I'm a big fan of, mm-hmm. of Carl Urban in particular. So I said, I'll, I'll give this a whirl. Um, and it's, it's, it is a fun series. It's really fun. Um, I, I find it interesting that, you know, with a lot of folks talking about superhero fatigue, maybe a little bit that, um, this, this show comes out and sort of spins people, people who are not familiar with all that stuff that I just mentioned, like this, this show must be blowing their minds. Right. Um, so, uh, so a little bit about that, like on that text, like of, as far as a different spin on, on the justice league in particular, because obviously, you know, I know that all superheroes kind of get targeted here, but you know, you've got your obvious Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, uh, Aquaman sort of, uh, tropes here, right? Oh, very much so. You had, you know, basically the different versions of characters that we know and love. And, you know, you had, you know, A-Train, of course, was the Flash. Sure. And, you know, you had the Wonder Woman, you had the Batman, you had Aquaman. And it was, you know, it was just interesting, the portrayal of them. Because, you know, you always used to hold the Justice League or the Avengers up to a higher level than even other heroes. And that's what the seven are supposed to be. And, sure. and you get to see I mean, it. that's pretty obvious. Yeah. But you get to see it from a brand new hero who's being initiated into the seven. Yeah. It's because lamplighter who she's replacing is the green lantern analog. Right. Um, and she's sort of becoming the Green Lantern replacement, but she's the she's the POV character. She's the character who's like we get introduced to the world of soups through her, while we get the we get the world of mortal people, normal people through through Huey, and the worlds colliding together. Oh, exactly, and it's just interesting that you see it, and I love, you know, I love the different relationships you see. And especially with Huey, you know, being innocent and being thrown into it, he didn't, he worshiped the heroes before what happened to Robin. And, oh, yeah. And, you know, he had posters up on his walls. He was, you know, a superhero fanboy. And he was like, you or I, you know, going to the cons and, you know, and thinking that the superheroes were real. And it was, it was awesome to see it through his eyes and man, her death was just her death. I think was even more gruesome on the show than it was on in the comic book. I, I, uh, I was going to ask you guys if it's in the comic as well, because I, I do find it and I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but the fact that this starts with the death of Robin, uh, I thought, okay, are they, are they, are, is that something that, you know, is a reference to obviously, you know, Jason Todd's death and, and the death of uh, the, the, the corny sidekick. Until you said that I didn't think it. And then I was like, Oh, her name is Robin. Oh no. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you say that name. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't like is like, and, and John, maybe you can answer this as well. Uh, speak to this since you're more, a lot more familiar with it. Is, 
is the boys as the comic anyway, just Garth taking the piss out of heroes or is he some saying something like, obviously I don't think it's as, as, as drawn out and substantial as maybe Alan Moore's trying to be with Watchmen, but, or his, is he trying to comment on, on that kind of thing? No, I definitely think he is because um, some of the parallels from the show and TV, and I don't know if like, I want to give away spoilers or not, but oh, this is a spoiler podcast. It's a spoiler. Okay. It's spoiler. Okay. Thank you. Thank At you. least for the show. All At right. least for the so, show. For instance, comic too. In, in the in the show, when they go to stop the airline that's been hijacked, that's a reference to actually in the comic they sent the soups to stop the planes on nine eleven, mm. and they failed horribly. And instead of the plane crashing into the twin towers the plane actually crashed into the brooklyn bridge so in the comics the brooklyn bridge is no more and is now like the remains are a memorial um so they you know they've they've tried this where the superheroes are trying to they're trying to get them into national defense into the american government right and you know basically the rest of the um businesses that make weapons um, and military tech have backed everything they can into the politicians to stop the superheroes from getting in. Right. And so that's kind of like the, the beginning story arc. Right. Um, and you know, with the parallels, like the seven, there are parallels for even Marvel characters. So you've got the G men, which are the X men and off the bat, right after you see Robin die in the, show but same thing in the comic a little different but basically same thing um there's a a whorehouse where all the g-men are in there and it's like an outside shot and you hear screamed out from inside change and they all swap and then it cuts to an inside scene where there's a bunch of prostitutes in one room doing lines of coke just to keep up with superheroes because that's all they want to do so it's it's you know it's showing how horribly corrupt a corporation that backs superheroes to make money off them you know how they can get away with all this well exactly um, cuz but in, also that's the first time they also introduce V right yes exactly cuz cuz Huey is spying on them and he says wait a minute that cocaine is blue and you yep. know and that's how they end the issue and it's just like that's how. So it's it's neat how they slowly just stick that in, and it's just like aha. And because they made V more of like a drug they shoot up and everything mm, right. in the TV show. It's more of a steroid. It's sort of like a super steroid, yeah. literally yeah. a super steroid in the show. And they made it more of a just a thing. The traffic. I love how they like explained how it got over the world and like got moved around without anyone noticing because they were using. A train and others like super speedsters to to do it, so no one could catch them. Oh, and that was rough when the uh, what was it? The mayor of Baltimore was in the meeting with Elizabeth Shue's character in the TV show, and he brought up, "Oh, what about the V?" And I know all yeah. about that. You wouldn't want me leaking that to the media, and and then you know she says, "Oh no, no, we can come to an agreement," and then you know he's on the airplane with his son, you know, the private jet. And they're like, Hey, there's Homelander. And Homelander literally wipes the jet out with his laser vision. So 
um, I'm gonna I'm gonna point something out that I really like about this show. Like I want to go on a thing. So I love that the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing in this show. Because you always think it's one way. Like you are in the audience, you're looking at a thing, you're like, okay, this has got to be the plot line. You know that everyone's in on the whole thing. Every Homelander and I forgot her name, the the one who runs Vought, uh, the main woman. Yeah, Elizabeth Sue's character. Elizabeth Sue's character. Elizabeth yeah. Sue's character. She like you think they're all in cahoots, they all are on the same page. This is all like a concentrated plan. And then as the series goes, you're like, you can't trust what you're seeing. You can't trust what people say. Still well. That was it. Sorry. Elizabeth Stillwell. Uh, Stillwell was her yeah, character. Stillwell. You don't with through Stillwell, Homelander, and a lot of other characters, you can't trust what any character says to the other characters because they may straight up and even some of the shots that they showed the audience, you're like, that never happened. Like that legit never happened is there to fool the audience so that you, when we give you the twist later on, you didn't see it coming, but it makes perfect sense in hindsight. Yeah. Oh. The, and the, the, the incident in particular that I think that sparked it for me, it was similar to what Mike was talking about was, I mean, we're told that, yeah, the, the seven are kind of corrupt and they're kind of a-holes or whatever, but the Homelander is the real deal. Homelander yes. is like the guy he like, <coughs> Captain America, <laughs> Superman, you know, he's the he's the Boy Scout. It's that scene where he takes down the plane where you realize that he's the worst of them all. And he just keeps getting worse and worse and worse as the right. series continues. And it's it's um I, I'm gonna say it right now, I gotta give that guy so much props. I know he's been on other uh things. I guess he was on a show called Banshee. Uh, that he was like the one of the main characters on, but that actor in particular, I don't think I'd seen him before. And let me tell you, that guy was perfect. He was amazing mm-hmm. as as Homeland. Um, but we got I got to give props out because Black Noir, you're great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Which read the comics. It may come to fruition. <laughs> yeah, I want to. I want to know more about Black Noir. I want to. I want to see. I. I, 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 I don't want to say it because I don't want you yeah, guys. Don't, to read this. Don't. Don't. I want to. I want to find out for myself. You guys, I can't wait to hear the the reactions to the twist. There are oh, so many. <laughs> but it does feel like you know, like I was saying about some of this other, 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 other things that we've seen with um, heroes kind of depicted in a different way. And and I know in some cases, like I think Astro City was a, a series I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, they try to, to make the they try to put the heroes into realistic, real world scenarios, right? Um, mm-hmm. The one thing I like about the boys is, I mean, you could sort of argue that yeah, this is might 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 what it be might be what it's like if we really had heroes in today's world, but. In some ways, this world that's created in the boys, at least on the show, is way more over the top and comical than almost any other Justice League that you book that you're going to read. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Um, uh, Carl Urban in particular, the character of Billy, his his accent is just like amazingly like over the top and, and just awesome. Like at, at, at first I thought, am I going to need subtitles for this? <laughs> um and, and i i gotta point out but the best character breakout character frenchy everyone i talked to is like frenchy is best boy frenchy is best character like straight up yeah, and hands down, another one where it's like that's not like i mean that's it's over the top french accent right i mean it's oh yeah 
crazy. It's like it's like from Hogan's Heroes, the French guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I name is Mother's Milk. What <laughs> exactly? Uh, so I have to give them credit, but as far as um, other characters, but even though it's crazy. And it's not nearly as crazy as it is in the comic. And I kind of know watching this. I mean, I would imagine that anybody who's who's watching this not familiar with the comic is probably their mind's blown, but they have no idea like how much darker it could be. Oh, and and oh, it yeah. does get. It does get. Yeah. You just you haven't seen anything yet. Season two. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, blow your as way. far as I mean, we'll kind of get to maybe our predictions for season two. And and for those who've read the comic, I know that it it. it well, I do also know that there's some stuff that happens at the end of season one that doesn't happen until the like way into the comic, right? So, so they're moving things ahead quite quickly in the series. Mm-hmm. Even, is even is that right, John? Oh yeah, no, they they kind of like pulled stuff that happens much further later on in the story, but even to the point where the the difference how the boys are in the show, where Billy's trying to like bring the band back together where the difference being that in the comic they're already established and they're, mm. they're backed by the CIA. It's not like he's trying to like get his foothold back into the CIA, what he's trying to do in the show. So it came from a different angle with that, which I like, you know, which it, I, 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 I second that because I think them a, it gives them the excuse to reintroduce the characters to everyone. Right. B and also go, okay, there's history with everyone here. That means we all get to infer what that history is through their interactions, mm-hmm. which lets which the world building in this show is so good just because they're like, we are not explaining this to you. There is no narrator. There's no scroll wall of text. There's nothing. You, if you want the pieces to this puzzle, pay attention. Exactly. Even in the comic woman is already part of the group. Right. Mm-hmm. And in the TV, I like in the TV show how they introduced her. And I like that mm-hmm. they didn't do it right away. She came in a couple episodes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they only call her, I think, woman, the girl once. Mm-hmm. And then they give her her name back. Mm-hmm. And so they just call her. Then they start calling her uh, Kimiko, I think is yeah. her name. Yeah. Um, the comic and they refer to her as that from that point forward. Mm-hmm. What's that, John? The comic, she's just known as the, the female. The like, female. So uh, the female. Sorry. Yeah. Nice. yeah. And wait till you learn what MM's initials stand for. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I can only guess. Um, uh, I also want to give props to, uh, I think, as far as the heroes goes, uh, the heroic characters on this, uh, the one that we feel that we have the most empathy for is uh, Annie, Starlight, right? Oh, yeah. Um, And I think she's played excellently by Aaron Moriarty. I don't think I'd ever seen her in anything either. So uh, this was, this was a, um, she, I thought she handled the job very well and was sympathetic uh, and believable as a wholesome hero in a, in a not so wholesome environment. Oh God. And what they did in the TV show, you know, her initiation into the seven. Oh, why'd you have to say it like that? Yeah. <laughs> Well, because I, I was, I, 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 I know was. that I know that was t- at least six times worse in the comic. Um, well, it was the Homelander as opposed to Lamplighter. Or yeah, sorry, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the deep. deep. Sorry, yeah, right. that that and you know that to me it it definitely gave a different feel with which which character it was. 
you know, because then you, in the show you're thinking, okay, Homelander is still like decent until much later you're, oh, he's horrible. He's a whole other kind of monster. Right. Yeah. Well, basically, you know, Homelander is is literally Superman if he didn't have Jonathan and Martha, you know, to raise him. Well, I mean, they, they, oh, yeah. the show makes a point. They say uh, there is this this theory in the show that. Uh, and it's not really expo- uh, expounded upon, although maybe it will be in season two, because uh, obviously with the events that happened at the end of season one, we're led to believe that if if you don't have parents, this is how you turn out. Like oh. that's that's kind of what um, uh, the uh, the main uh, I can't remember I can't think of his name now, but the the main doctor there that, that kind of took him in and experimented yeah. on it. Um, but it was also a combination of you don't have parents and we raised you in a lab. Yeah. Because it, it seems like Homelander is proto-Genesis, like prototype one. Is like we you were the first control that we had to do and was successful on. So, But we were so hands-off on you because we were so scared and we were just studying you that we basically built a sociopath. <laughs> um, that That's my take on that. Like on the Homelander's disposition. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously he has no moral compass. Oh God, no. Right. Um, and he's yeah, looking for a mother, the, the environment Ooh, uh, in, in a lot of weird ways. Him staring at the wall <laughs> or through the wall watching, you know, basically Elizabeth shoes character breastfeed yep. and the looks he was giving that baby. He wanted to use the heat vision on that. Oh, I, I knew the baby was dead. At some point, like the baby was going to die at some point. So, um, although I, we assume that the baby's dead at the end of the season, but we don't know that for sure. Um, knowing Homelander, yes, the baby is dead, <laughs> or the baby's a soup. Well, and it lived. We don't. We don't know. We don't know anything about where the baby came from, who the baby's father is, or anything like that. Yep. So, um, I, obviously, that could be something if they want to uh, resolve that in the next season, but. Uh, um, I also, it does seem to, there does seem to be a path that this, that the show takes um, regarding um, the relationship between superheroes and spirituality. Um, And when you've got these characters that are like gods, um, but then you've also got religious people out there um, who are, you know, the whole Capes for Christ campaign, you know, like, that's that's something that I will say I give them credit for because I have not seen that played out before much like it is in, in the boys. And I mm. did not expect it to do that. Uh, making uh, some commentaries on, on that sort of relationship. Um, so I'm going to interject a little RPG history here. Oh. Um, I'm a little more familiar with that concept because back in the early, very early aughts, we're talking 99, 2000, uh, White Wolf produced a game called Aberrant. And it was their take on modern day superheroes, what happens if they existed in the real world. Um, and the idea was they would become like celebrities, a.k.a. a la The Boys. But they also took it in the, uh, the uh, direction of what would humanity would humanity start worshipping them as like gods? And would they start taking on personas like gods? And it was very interesting watching The Boys that do, especially from a Judeo-Christian point of view of like these 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 
uh, figures for Christ, as it were, these these favored sons and daughters of God coming through and like helping lift up Christianity as, in America, because we learn later that only super soups until the very end are only in America. Is the is the religious uh, angle in the in the comics as well, John? Um, not that I remember. Um, I can see why it might be pertinent in today's society where they might be using that to, you know, show sway in the polls with like, say the, you know, on the political scheme. Exactly. I didn't see it in the, I don't remember really seeing that in the comics. It was, it was more of the um, agenda of Vought to get Stoops into national defense um, and trying to perfect like, you know, the whole Homelander being grown. So, in the comics, the backstory of Compound V, it was created during World War II to essentially create a super soldier. But it's not um, perfected. So yeah. you get a 50-50 of whether you're going to get a superhero or the person could explode. So they just start injecting it into whoever. <laughs> and that's that's kind of where like now Vaught has taken it you know, into present day where they've been really testing it to get so like the seven are the upper echelon of their superheroes. And then you have the smaller groups where, yeah, they've got superpowers, but they're not that great. Um, and that's why, you know, when Popclaw is talking to a train in the show and she's like, Oh, you know, you're not good enough to be seen in, in public with, you know, a second rate superhero because they have developed that class system almost. With right. Right. Kind of like a teen Titans or new warriors type thing. Oh well, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you've so, got the seven, and then you've got like you know heroes that are you know assigned to you know Paducah, Kentucky, Kentucky, right? Like, <laughs> that's, where, that's where they're they're patrolling, right? Yeah. Well, exactly, yeah. and that's where Starlight came from. Yeah. And it, mm-hmm. the one thing with the comic is Starlight is a lot even more innocent than she was oh, yeah. in the comics than she was in the. TV. I got a I got a serious save the the cheerleader vibe from her from Heroes. Like I just yeah. it's like I don't know if that's the vibe they were going for, but but the maturity of her character is fantastic. Like just later on, just just like her her presence later in later episodes, especially when she decides to go up against A Train, is is great. I absolutely love that entire like. They didn't give us a lot of like soup on soup action, but when they did, it was really cool. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I love when she, you know, s- stood up to the Aquaman character, you know, yeah. and you know, hey, you're nothing in this group. You're one of the jokes of this group, you know, type thing. Yep. And I just, I just love that. And oh my god, that scene with him and the dolphin. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that was just so wrong in so many ways. So good. I know. So great. In slow motion, the dolphin going through the windshield out and then getting run over by the truck. I was just like, oh no. You know. That was, that was, that was one thing after another thing after another thing. So so I mean, boy, talk about tapping into silent movie Keystone Cops, you know, <laughs> stuff. Uh, so even Monty Python was di- was doing stuff like that. I mean, this show <laughs> this this show pulls out all the tricks, right? Um, is there anything, uh, about the show that you feel like maybe is a misfire, uh, something that you're not digging? Ooh. Um, and, and John in particular, is there anything about the show that, uh, you kind of miss from the comics? Um, I miss Billy's dog. 
terror. <laughs> they oh, they show it oh, in a back God. sequence, but that was it. You saw it in like his, you know, memory of him and his wife. You saw the, the bulldog. But his dog in the comic is this ridiculous comic relief. It's so stupid, but it's pretty funny. I mean, it's it's very minor. That's And that's, I guess, I want to say a nice um, compliment to the show. The show has done a great job of making a lot of nods to the comic, even though it has changed some things slightly, uh, like with Huey being now American instead of Scottish, um, or... Um, they did change out one of the seven. Um, the the seven that goes invisible or translucent. Translucent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's not in the comic. Uh, it's a oh, different. Wow. Yeah, it's a different character that's basically a, a parody of. Um, uh, Martian Manhunter. Yeah. Yeah, Martian Manhunter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the manner in which they finally figure out a way to dispose of translucent is 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 warped. Oh yeah, yeah, it's awesome. That, Frenchie is best boy. That's a nod to when Huey has to deal with um, a different superhero in the comic. That's from a, another group, um, <laughs> which it just goes all wrong. Um, oh, I think that was the one thing I wish that would have done in the show. So in the comic, in order for the boys to kind of go toe to toe with Soups the CIA does inject them with compound V just so that they can have a little bit of super strength so they can hold their own. And and that's, that's about it. But other than that, everybody else kind of has military background, Mm -hmm. like Billy, MM, the, you know, Frenchie. So, you know, Huey's the odd man out where he just comes out of nowhere and they put him on intelligence basically. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's oh the scene where he gets uh spiked with the v though you know right. out of nowhere it was just like oh that was it, cold yeah that's where you start to really learn that billy is out for his own agenda doesn't matter who gets in his way friend mm-hmm. or foe so there's very much parallels between him and homelander where they're going to do what they're going to do to get what they want mhm well, exactly like that uh i did like the fact that i was really surprised that by the end of the first season they that those two trains collide uh i thought that was going to be saved for you know because prior to this i think even airing amazon said that they greenlit they were going to greenlight uh season two so which is yeah. great because the way season end season one ends i'm kind of like you better have a season two yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Matthew, was there anything in this that maybe didn't work for you? Um, if if I, I have one, but it's extremely minor, because I think they were nearly firing on all cylinders with this show. Like, it's really up there with one of my, currently my, one of my favorites, and I recommend it to anyone. I think I would have liked to have known that soups were only in America earlier, like, because you didn't learn that, you sort of inferred it like in the mid, and it wasn't until like seasons, I think season episode six, that you are told straight up that it's it's only in America that they don't have international soups, mm. and that would have like heightened the hey, what's going on here, sort of thought process to me. Um, I would have liked to have known that a little bit earlier, but like I said, it's a very minor quibble, but it would have been like good table setting for me. Gotcha, Mike. Anything for you? No, I thought it worked really well. Making Huey American, I think, worked, especially if you haven't seen or read the comics. 
I thought, you know, you wouldn't know any different. And just like you wouldn't know, like by watching the show, how damn tall that guy is. Yeah, he's, he is, he's freakishly tall. That, that actor is amazingly tall. Uh, I was in the Walk of Fame, and I saw him next to Carl, and I was like, "Oh my god, he's like, he's like leaps and bounds taller than Carl." Although in the show, they're equal, if not like Carl must be standing on tons of apple boxes or something. When they're- it's just sheer presence. That's the, <laughs> that's the Carl exactly. Urban you get. Just sheer presence makes everyone shorter. Oh but, god. Anyway, exactly. I'm sorry. No, and it's interesting considering who his parents are too. Because I've never seen Jack Quaid in anything else before. And it's interesting that his parents are Meg Ryan and uh, Dennis Quaid. Mm. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He got some serious pedigree. Yeah. And it's funny. Judy said, considering who his parents are, he's kind of not attractive. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he's you know he's a cute boy. He's a sweet boy. Mm-hmm. He's a sweet boy. Um, but I loved you know you literally because he was like I started saying earlier. You saw his innocence go down the tubes throughout the show, and he, he matured. He got corrupted by Billy, and it was just you know it was just interesting as he got deeper and deeper into the world. He became more accepting of it until he was he was willing to go up a train himself. I like the fact that it is a, you know, as, as, as he goes down this quote unquote dark path on the one hand, yes, you could argue that he's going through a dark, you know, he's going to the dark side, but on the other hand, before that, he was a guy who wouldn't take chances, who didn't really have what it takes to get the job done, who didn't really have a lot of passion for things. Oh, he lived with his fripping father still. He, he sort of like, he's becoming a better person actually in a weird sort of way. And, and yes, even though he's going through this dark path, he does have it, have the cojones to be like, no, no, we're not doing this. We're not doing this way. We're, we're going to do it this way. And I, I think that uh, his character arc is really exceptional. And, um, and, I, do, me, and I do feel though, sorry to interrupt Mikey. No, that's okay. Go ahead. I did, I, I'm just excited. I know. I did feel like his feelings though for Starlight uh, were legit. Totally. Sure. Yeah. No, absolutely. 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 Yeah. Yes. Oh, um, actually, because he started that before he even knew who she was. So that, that, I mean, that was a great uh, sequence of events. There. Oh my God. And when they went to the superhero AA meeting, <laughs> Oh, that was awesome. And that oh, poor copywriter God. who had his dick frozen off <laughs> with the superhero. It was just like, uh, and he works for them too. I know. That's the I worst. Know. The, uh, the only thing that didn't work for me was uh, the character of the deep. Um, I, I'm sort of overseeing Aquaman jokes uh, mm-hmm. characters. And so there was nothing new here for me for that. And it seemed like later on in the season that we were sort of meant to feel sorry for him, which I just was refusing to do. So no, no. Uh, I, it, it, I was kind of, I don't know what they were really going for with that um you know if you're gonna if you're gonna make him a jerk make him a jerk and if we're gonna have to if if somehow he's gonna be redeemable then we've got to see that and they were trying to push that on us before i think the character was ready to go through that so, i thought he was going to commit suicide at the end of the season though. i wouldn't yeah, be surprised that's, that's like... but um I, I i don't know i mean it was 
it seemed like any time, and I don't really mean to be mean to the actor because I think he was great, but it just seemed like every time the deep was involved with that scene, I just kind of did not, it did not go well for me. So, so that was the only thing that kind of drew, took me out of it a little bit. Um, but I am eager for season two. And as we wrap up, I want to hear what you guys are hoping for or expect to see in season two, which do we know if they're shooting it now, is that planning to air next year? Do we know? Mm-hmm. Probably same time summer next year. Hopefully, awesome, mm-hmm. awesome. Well, John, let's start with you. What uh, do you? I mean, without giving away maybe some comic spoilers, is there anything that you think that uh, uh, we should look forward to in season two? Maybe, hopefully, um, I'm definitely looking forward to the um, payback, which is basically the group that mimics Avengers. So you see them in the beginning of the of the comics, and then they take a much more integral part later on. And and man, the guy who's the opposite of Thor, oh, I'm not gonna ruin it, but it's, oh, I, it's a great character. <laughs> then I won't then I won't spoil it either because I think I know exactly who you're talking about. So uh, he's yeah, he's interesting. Um, that that I'm definitely looking forward to, as well as bringing in some of the other groups. When we got mention of Teenage Kicks, and Popclaw was part of that, but there are others that have a more you know lead role in the in the comics. And and the deep he got way more screen time in the show than he did in the comic because in the comic he's literally just a dude in a suit with the old deep sea diving helmet, like old school deep sea. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> He, and like he barely talks, he like opens up the portal, you know, the glass portal, and like that's about it. Yeah, the one time, <laughs> I, the one time in the comic, I remember him talking was about the sales of their their merchandise and everything. He was griping yeah. about it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's great, Matthew. What about you? What are you looking forward to in the next season? Besides what he just said, uh, because I know a little bit of what's probably going to happen in season two, and it's let's say it's very contemporary. It has a few comments about the current political climate. Um, uh, but you kind of brought it up at the end, um, uh, Mike. Uh, I'm interested to see where the deep goes. I actually thought I I kind of saw what they were trying to do with the deep, and we'll see if it pays off enough in season two, because. I think by the end of it, he has hit the lowest point, and I think uh, hopefully he has come to a revelation that he is. And oh, sorry, I didn't mean to swear. Sorry. I apologize. Don't worry about it. I know the editor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, he he he. I I think if they do this, his that sort of arc justice, they will he will come to the revelation that he was a terrible person, and hopefully can take steps to make do better. Hmm. But we'll see. It's the boys. Who knows? <laughs> um, but it, it will definitely be very interesting to see the uh, the story, especially with something I can talk about, which is what is with Homelander's son and what that means for everyone else who's a soup, because we haven't seen soup like like the natural progression of having children that are also naturally super. Hmm. So we'll we'll get to explore that idea, which is super fascinating. Mike, what about you? I just want to see where it goes because with the reveal, you know, at the end, you know, with what happened, you know, basically Homelander killed, you know, the heads of the company that he, that he was working for and the, the doctor who raised him 
And now, basically, you did get a little bit of an appearance from the guy who used to be on Breaking Bad. Yeah, Gus Fring. Gustavo yeah. Fring. Exactly. <laughs> As he who was the one who was working up on the 85th floor. And so it was interesting if he's going to have a bigger role the next season or what they're going to do with it because they made it a lot more about the corporation than in the comics. And so I'm going to be curious to see where these characters go, what happens, you know, with, will, you know, a train have, you know, a change of conscience because of his heart attack, you know, that whole thing. But I'm not holding my breath on that one. So I'm just very curious to see what happens with the boys. Yeah, and uh, I am as well. I I, uh, I definitely would like to see uh, more um, uh, incarnations of other types of heroes. And we haven't yet seen, like, really the Marvel universe uh, played out in, in this universe yet. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing some of that. So I hope that's, that is to come. Um, but a lot of the, a lot of the goals and a lot of the story arcs that were, that began in this season kind of came to a head at the end. So it'll be really interesting to see how, you know, Billy responds to, uh, this new information that he has. And uh, obviously his, his reason for being, although he's still probably going to be, you know, want to take down midnight, uh, midnighter, (laughs) I said the wrong one, uh, Homelander is going to be, uh, you know, is going to be put to the test as well. And to see what, yeah, I mean, obviously uh, with these guys, with not, with not having powers, I think, John, to your point, with the comics, they, they, they have an equalizer. It's kind of interesting that in the, in, the, in the show, they don't. Like, it's interesting to see how these humans can, can like, adapt and try to fight these heroes. Mm. So... But good stuff. Well, um, hopefully, uh, when season two airs next season, if it uh, if it indeed does, we can all resume. We'll get we'll get the boys back together to talk <laughs> about the boys, right? Yeah, man. <laughs> and I'll, and I'll leave it to the audience to decide like which one of us is which. So, um, uh, so thanks, guys. Appreciate it, and uh, we will be right back with the ESO Network con. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about Beetlejuice the Musical on Broadway. There has been an influx over the years of Broadway shows based on popular movies or comics or musicians, and Beetlejuice is just that, and it's incredibly good. The music is amazing, the storyline is really fun to watch, and it has redeeming characters, funny jokes, and, you know, you really, really enjoy it. The cast is amazing, the music is really, really catchy, and I still can't get some of the songs out of my head. The show follows Lydia Dietz after her mother's passing away. She comes to a small town and finds out that her house is haunted. The storyline is super familiar, but not the same as the movie that we all know. Lydia later makes a deal with Beetlejuice and brings him out by saying his name three times and scares her father and life coach out of the house. Lydia then finds out that she could potentially see her mother again by going into the underworld, which turns out to backfire on her. The songs in this film are really, really great, and the Broadway cast did an amazing job singing them. The jokes were really, really funny, and Beetlejuice kept you laughing all during the show. 
The props and costumes were amazing, and I adore the sandworms that you get to see from time to time. They were so adorable and wonderful. The musical stays very true to the main gist of the movie, but to me was kind of like a combination of the movie and cartoon, while also having its own flair. I would definitely check it out, or at least pick up the soundtrack and give it a listen, if you can't make it to New York to see it. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. For the week of September 20th, 2019, it's the ESO Network Con Report. Well, the first convention that we need to talk about is coming up real fast, September 27th through the 29th. And it is Monsterama, of course. Our good friend of the station, Anthony Taylor, is here to tell us all about it. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, absolutely. I love how each year you have a different theme. Uh, and, and this year, it's Little Shop of Monsterama. It's just, uh, it's just a really one thing that makes this, this show so unique. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. It's... Um... A tribute to not only Little Shop of Horrors, uh, but also to the magazine Little Shop of Horrors with the two B's and the E, which celebrates British horror. Um, and we've got a lot of uh, a lot of great guests that are kind of all a part of both both sides of that this year. So awesome, awesome. Well, let's uh, let's uh, get into it. Like, so uh, who are some of the big guests you've got this year? Well, we've got from The Little Shop of Horror, the, the original Roger Corman film, Jackie Joseph, who played Audrey. And awesome. then we've also got uh, Jane Marrow, who starred in uh, Hands of the Ripper from Hammer Films and also co-starred in The Lion in Winter, which is one of my favorite films of all time. Um, we've got Ian Ogilvy, who was in Witchfinder General. Uh, he was the he played Simon Templar in Return of the Saint, the series from the late 70s. and uh, now the screaming starts and a bunch of other great movies that he was in. Uh, we've got Katie Carpenter, who was a co-star in the Netflix Haunting of Hill House um, series. We've got Trina Parks, who played Thumper in uh, Diamonds Are Forever. And then we've got a bunch of great artists like uh, Mark Maddox, comic artist Neil Vokes, and colorist Matt Webb, Craig Hamilton, uh, a bunch of writers, Nancy Collins, Dacre Stoker, Charles Rutledge, Amanda Deweese. Uh, and then we've got Professor Morte and Madeline Brumby coming back to join us as well. So we've got just a ton of great folks with us this year. Yes, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of returning guests, a lot of returning favorites, I should say, as well mm-hmm. as uh, so, some new blood, uh, and and not just like new guests for for you guys, but also you know a little bit of mix of the classic with the new. Um, you know, having Katie from represent the Hunting of Hill House. That's a uh, that's pretty awesome. Absolutely. I was really happy when uh, when she contacted us, and we're very, very uh, grateful that she's going to be joining us this year. Is that another show that shoots in Atlanta? I'm just, I, I just curious about that, because I don't know. Uh, it did shoot in Atlanta, yes. Yeah, gotcha. absolutely. I don't know whether the second season is going to shoot here or not, but the first season did. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so in addition to the guests, uh, what else, uh, what other kind of program, events you have going on? Uh, we've got a really great schedule of events and programming. We've, we're screening some amazing um, films on 16 millimeter this year, uh, including the uh, 1929 version of The Mysterious Island, which is uh, a real serious rarity. 
Um, and then on Saturday, we've got uh, Seven Voids of Sinbad, um, Evan Costello meet Frankenstein. We've got uh, Professor Morte and Madeline Brummie and the Go-Go Ghouls are going to do a Silver Screen Spook Show of Revenge of the Creature in 3D. 3D? Yeah. Uh, we've got uh, The Conqueror Worm, which is the, the U.S. cut of Witchfinder General starring Ian Ogilvy, which will be airing. And we're also uh, showing something I'm very excited about, which is the, uh, the Dracula from 1979 with Frank Langella in its original theatrical color, which it's only appeared on home video in VHS back when it came out in like 1979. Uh, since then, it has been released on all formats of disc in a very monotone uh, uh, chromatic kind of a scale that uh, that the director wanted to keep uh, keep it in, but um, it's coming out eventually on Blu-ray uh, in the in the original theatrical color. But we're we're screening it on sixteen millimeter. Then we're also running uh, King Kong Escapes, Robinson Crusoe on Mars, Jack the Giant Killer, just a ton of great stuff. Of course, we've got all of our uh, our guests that are going to be talking about their projects. And then we've got on our maker panel, we've got a lot of great stuff. We've got uh, stuff on makeup demos, um, how to paint uh, monsters with Shane. Uh, we've got a, a making toys and collectibles program, painting masks with Kevin Mo. Um, all kinds of great stuff with there. And then on our media track, um, we've got uh, a lot of talk about Alien and House on Haunted Hill, the, the anniversary done. panel for that, and Alien, Amityville Horror, Sixth Sense, Blair Witch, and all kinds of stuff. Um, and we've got our literary art and comics track also with all of our writers talking about uh, what they're doing and, and, uh, and various uh, uh, classic works. Uh, Dacre Stoker is going to do his presentations on his, his famous ancestor, uh, who was Bram Stoker, who was Dracula. And um, stuff just kind of packed on four different uh, programming tracks all weekend long. We've got gaming. Um, we will have the con suite open again this year for people who want to get snacks and drinks and stuff. Um, just all kinds of stuff at all hours. Yeah, it's uh, since it's uh, hotel-based, it's one of those uh, conventions that kind of just goes on all night, <laughs> even if it's not officially, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we, we're screening movies. We've got a Friday night, we've got a Paul Nashy, uh, double feature of Dr. Jekyll versus the werewolf and, uh, Frankenstein's bloody terror. Uh, we'll be running movies all into the late night on, uh, on, uh, Friday and Saturday nights. And then, um, we've also got our monster prom on Saturday night, which, uh, is always very popular, uh, from eight till midnight or one or whenever we wind up closing it up. Uh, and we've got DJ Death's Kiss gonna, that's going to be spinning tunes there. And Shane Morton, Professor Morte will be uh, uh, back as the MC this year. So lots of uh, lots of cool stuff for people who want to stay up late. Yeah, and there's so much good stuff going on during the day and the night. Um, yeah, the panels, the uh, the model making, uh, the, the props displayed, right. just all sorts of cool stuff. Um, and a lot of people there who just love this stuff and are so passionate about it. And it's just great to, to share that and be in that environment. I agree. I, uh, it's something that, uh, that I've enjoyed at other shows in various other parts of the country, but never really around Atlanta that had this kind of focus on, on classic, uh, horror and sci-fi and, and monster movies and, and such. And it's, uh, it's, 
you know, we, we don't get an enormous crowd every year, but we get a very enthusiastic one. Mm-hmm. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And hopefully. We're no con, but <laughs> What's that? No, but it, no, I said we're no Dragon Con, but then who is? <laughs> well, you know, um, and, and look, I mean, as, 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 as much as we like Dragon Con, I don't think any of us are, are willing to do another Dragon Con right now. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, so this is that's what I, I love about this as well. I mean, obviously, we want to get as much many people are there as possible, but the the intimacy and the just sort of um, leisurely feel and, and just sort of the um, uh, fandom embrace that this show has is is always. Oh, absolutely! Fun. It's it's a place for for friends who really enjoy this kind of stuff to come together and have a great weekend and enjoy and enjoy each other's company. Yeah. And what I also love, too, is that, you know, by checking out the panels and talking to people, I always learn. I mean, I'm always learning something about a new like a new project or a new fandom or something that I had no idea uh, that was a thing, because there's just like so many people that talk about so many different things, whether it's literature, classic horror, new horror, filmmaking, comic book making like every it's just like uh, like everybody like everything's represented, really. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that you're that you're taking something away from all of this stuff because that's what we're trying to do. I mean, it's great to get together and just be enthusiastic about stuff that we all love, but it's it's something else to to go and 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 actually present information and uh, and uh, um, skills and knowledge that that you might otherwise not have access to. Yeah, and and you know, I think. It's one of those things too, where obviously, um, you know, the, some of the other shows have like the the big A list guests or whatever that are charging insane amounts for a selfie and a and an autograph or anything like that. the 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 rates uh, for that these people charge are all really reasonable, and you get time with them. You get to spend Absolutely. like uh, a lot of time and learn about th- like. I, I will say, and I was really happy to see that this week, uh, uh, you announced that Trina Parks was was going to be there again because she was i mean for you think okay well she was in a bond movie a long time ago etc cetera, etc cetera. um but her story is absolutely amazing and um and just on that that small scale alone um i think that's what a lot of your guests sort of represent that kind of thing i agree and i think that um we try to when we we try to seek out people who have not been to Atlanta, at least recently. Um, this year, I think we've got pretty much everybody other than Trina who lives here. Uh, nobody has really appeared at a show uh, in Atlanta, if ever, in certainly five or ten years. So uh, I, I'm very excited about meeting Ian Ogilvy and Jane Merrow, people who I had, uh, had, had really been fans of as a kid. Pauline Pert, who's from Satanic Rites of Dracula, which is a, a very underrated film in my opinion and she's uh, got a lot of great stories and uh and a lot of interesting stuff to talk about um i don't want to book the same guests that all the other horror conventions book because right. they go from show to show to show to show to show and god love them i mean they're 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 great people and they're they're interesting to listen to and fun to be around but i've been around them i want to be around people that i haven't been around as far as guests go and and meet these people who have, uh, who have something to say that I haven't heard before. Yeah. A a different side of, of things that you would not, a perspective that you would normally get. Exactly. Um, So, um, so yes, I I appreciate it. And uh, I, I can't, I can't um, 
sort of uh, sign off on this on this show enough. So we're hopefully that uh, we're hoping that a lot of listeners will come by. As far as getting tickets and all the logistics of that, uh, are they still available online? They're still available online. They're discounted online. They're forty five dollars for the three three day weekend pass right now. They will be sixty dollars at the door. Uh, single day passes are also available online right now, and there's also a uh, a monster prom pass, which is for Saturday and Sunday, and includes a uh, a photo op for the monster prom and a lanyard and a couple of other little uh, uh, perks, I think. And uh, and then um, you know they'll be up until probably a few days before the show, and then we'll have to take them down and just greet people at the door and take their money. Sure. 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 I appreciate that. And, you know, like, you know, for those people listening to, if we haven't sold it enough, um, you know, Mike and I are going to be there too. So (laughs) if you want to come hang out with us uh, for a few days uh, with a lot of other cool people. uh, We've got a lot of great dealers this year too, as well. I forgot to mention that, but our vendor room is looking really good. Good. Yeah. It's been getting bigger and bigger every year. Right. Yep. We're very happy about that and happy to uh, to have new people and, and returning favorites as well. Awesome. Well, where can people go online to get uh, find, uh, more information and get tickets for now? Um, for getting tickets, go on to our website at monsteramacon.com. And uh, there will be a link at the top there in the navigation bar. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook under Monsterama. Uh, on, on and on uh, Twitter and um, uh, Instagram at Go Monsteramacon, I believe. Yeah, you are uh, represented on all the social media, even if I know you're not doing it yourself. <laughs> um, I do a lot of it, but yeah, I got to have some help here. And <laughs> uh, by the way, you guys are a hoot all year round for social media. You're always popping in with uh, something uh, almost on a, every other day or something like that. So. Well, we try and we try and keep it timely and not just all about you know selling tickets. We we you know we enjoy what we do and we have had some very successful posts recently. We had one go over a million and a half, uh, like a, around a million and a half views uh, last week, which was just a crazy to us. That was the biggest one we've ever posted. So that's amazing. You can never tell doing that stuff. Yeah, and you know you're building a community. So yeah. Absolutely. Uh, well, actually, you're already got a community. You're just hopefully um, having it grow. So, yeah. Uh, so, well, we hope to see everybody there. We'll see you there for sure. And uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks again for helping us uh, get the word out. Absolutely. Well, now that you've heard all about Monsterama that's going on in a couple weeks, uh, the only other uh, event of note is actually happening this weekend. Uh, this Saturday, September 21st in Avondale Estates, Georgia. It is a one-day music festival called the Southern Surf Stomp Fest. Um, it is nine bands, and uh, they're all kind of, you know, surf and uh, and, and, and rockabilly-esque. Um, I am familiar with two of them, uh, the Mystery Men, as well as the Intoxicators. And let me tell you, they're worth the price of admission alone. Oh, by the way, there is no price of admission. It's free. So Free? Uh, free. So come on out and uh, see these bands. Uh, I will be there. I'll have a little tent set up. Uh, Peter and I will be representing Tiki Zombie, selling all sorts of pins and artwork. And, and we even have some CDs. So if you want to have some music, 
uh, at Stompfest, get some music, take home with you, uh, stop by our booth because we've got the Tiki Zombie CD there that uh, we'll be selling as well. So, uh, so that's this Saturday. Uh, hope to see you out there. And that's it for September. We've got some dates coming up in October of some events that we're going to be at. I'm just getting those in. So by the next episode, you will hear all about our October and beyond schedule. So if you've got a convention that you want us to mention, please reach out to us because we love talking about conventions. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. Let's thank our guests for being here. Strange way, it was awesome to have you up here, my friend. Uh, I appreciate it. It was. I saw your post and I said, I want to be on that podcast. I immediately <laughs> shot you a message. Oh, dude, I think you were 30 seconds was the, you know, about the time. <laughs> You're like, Faber, I'm up there. It's like, I, I, I may or may not be jacked into the internet, you know, just. <laughs> the cord right to the neck so. yeah yeah and that's why you're sitting with your back against away from everybody at the con this year sitting <laughs> we just in have chair. to make sure it's not years that he's back yeah no, we definitely have to have you more on more often dude i i miss being on the podcast it was a lot of fun i always have fun with you guys it's great oh, yeah. what, you, what you got going on what do you want to shout out about uh i actually don't really have too too much um, i'll be up in uh cincinnati comic expo next weekend but I'm going for a personal uh, to get my Serenity poster finally finished. Uh, all the signatures from the cast of Firefly. Oh, dude, that's awesome. Yep, I got Marina Bachran. She's the last one I need. Oh, uh, awesome. Yeah, it's not that far of a drive. You could do it. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's not that bad. Nah, that is awesome, man. Well, let's not make it a few years. Let's make it, you know, same time next year for Boys <laughs> Season 2. At the very least, right? Exactly. Exactly. Done. And Done. Matthew, Done. thank thank you, my friend, for joining us. Oh, it was it was super fun. I could talk like another two hours on this subject. <laughs> oh, <laughs> loved it, loved it, loved it. Very easy. Um, tell us a little bit more about your podcast, real quick. Um, well, um, the thing I've already kind of shouted out a lot. So again, wherever your podcatchers you use, we're Polyhedron. Look us up if you like role playing games. We talk all, a lot about it. We're going to be having some guests on soon. We've done a lot of guests in the past, so feel free to go back in the back catalog. Uh, another thing I want to plug that I haven't plugged yet is um, my buddy of mine has started his own little uh, RPG entertainment group uh, called Simulacra Studios, and uh, on he Simulacra TV on Twitch. I'm going to be on one of his shows. It's going to be a D&D game, but it's going to be Acquisitions Incorporated based on their the source book that recently came out for 5th edition. Um, so it's going to be like D&D meets office comedy. Like oh, with awesome. existential horror. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. Um, I will post out more, more details when I have them, when it's going to go live. But that is quickly becoming a thing. Oh, that's awesome. That is really cool. Uh, we'll yep. definitely send me the link and we'll put it up on our show notes. No problem. Thank you very much. Appreciate no problem. It. And Mr. Mike, we made it through another one, my friend. As always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about? I do. You know, as we're trying slowly and surely to recover and get our lives back after Dragon Con, uh, we go smack right into uh, October, which is the countdown to Halloween. Uh, that is a uh, prime time for us here on Earth Station One. Uh, we've got some great programs coming up for you guys scheduled for that month. Uh, but in order, uh, you know, October for me in the last few years wouldn't be October 
without uh, the sound of October, which is to me now the casket creatures. Uh, I definitely recommend people check out their, their website cause they've got a, all their schedule of where they're going to be. Uh, and I will be at a couple of those shows um, uh, throughout the month of October and they've got a new album coming out. Oh, awesome. Full album. Yep. The, the full details will be revealed this week. So by the time you hear this, go to, go to casket creatures on Facebook, uh, check out their social media and you'll find out all about their new album. So, uh, uh, uh Ryan and the guys, we, we just love them so much. And, uh, I can't wait to hear the new tunes and I can't wait to see them live. Excellent. 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 Can't wait to hear it. There's always fun band to go see live. They play tons, you know, around the Southeast not just Atlanta. So definitely check them out, especially throughout the month of October, because it's a little bit of spooky coming our way. So it's pretty cool. My shout out real quick. Uh, Judy and I have been watching a new TV show that came to Netflix. It is called the spy and it actually stars Sasha Baron Cohen from Borat, but this is a serious role he's playing in and it is an amazing show. If you get a chance to watch this, please do. It's a true life story of an Israeli spy named Eli Cohen, who was captured in Syria in 1965. And he had been spying on the Syrians for Israel for like almost seven years. It is an amazing story. And I was shocked by the performance of Sasha Baron Cohen. And please check it out. It is only, I think, six episodes and definitely worth checking it, worth it. It is a lot. It's not fun. It is definitely not fun, but it's really good. And speaking of really good, join us again next week when we are going to be doing high tea with the queen. That's right, folks. We are going to Downton Abbey. We're going to be doing the film review and should be a lot of fun visiting a lot of old friends and maybe meeting some new ones and seeing what else is going on with the Crawley family up in England, Southern England. Should be interesting. It's going to be, it's going to be very like similar to the boys. Right? Oh yeah. Very much. So. <laughs> very, you know, especially what happens to, you know, Mary and, Oh, we don't want to go there and not even talking what happens when she goes downstairs. Oof, nope, nope, nope. We're not touching on that one. But it's going to be a ton of fun, and definitely check us out wherever you know social media is available. Please, if you get a chance, you know subscribe to us if it's your first time listening because you like the topic or you met us at Dragon Con, or if you know if you want, you know, leave us a review, rate us wherever social media players you listen to us up. We are found, so just look for Earth Station One. Until then, my name is Mike Faber, and we'll see you here next time on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace. And we are done. Boom. Yay. That's it. You've been listening to the Earth Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. 
go to patreon.com slash ESO network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.